And it's so good. As Dave said, I'm really excited for next week. Vision Sunday is always an incredibly special Sunday in the life of Icon Church. And it's an incredible privilege that we get to hear from our lead pastors next week around the vision of Icon Church, get to gather as one church, all of our campuses together. And uh, I want to really encourage you, firstly, be here next week. But it's also a great Sunday to invite people to. Um, because they get a flavour of what we're about as Icon Church. And uh, I think it's going to be a real special uh, weekend next weekend. Plus, in the lead up to it, uh, we're going to be praying and fasting. We're going to pray and fast for two weeks, uh, starting this week. And um, you'll be able to find out more information on our website. Uh, you can either go to icon.church forward slash pray. Uh, you'll find out every, week, every day we'll be posting on social media what we're going to be praying into for that day. Uh, but you'll find out more information on the website about, you know, kind of like about prayer, but also about fasting and some of the ways that you can fast as well. Uh, if you don't remember forward slash pray, uh, then uh, just go onto the website and it'll be there on the homepage for you, prayer and fasting. And uh, it's going to be a great week. Believing God is going to move and God is going to work. Uh, so uh, get ready for next weekend. But we're here. Believe God really wants to speak to us today. Uh, the final part. I'm saying it's the final part uh, of this series, Conviction in the Chaos, but we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount and as I've been uh, preparing for it and uh, believing God for it, that maybe I've got a few more messages to come in the future on the Sermon on the Mount and uh, who knows, you'll have to wait and see. You'll just have to turn up week in, week out and do it. But the, the tagline for it is this, if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. If we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. So we're going to look at Matthew 5, and uh, we're going to look at uh, four verses, uh, which is verses 38 to 42. Let me read them to us. It says this, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Uh, funny little story. Um, when the football lads say, ask me, am I allowed to fight? I say, you get two free shots. <laughs> Based on these verses, you get two free shots, then I'm in the game. I'm obviously joking with them, honestly. Um, and if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Have you ever said the phrase, I can do it myself? I can do it myself. Maybe uh, growing up, I know I just saw a, a little look of a daughter there uh, who says this probably on a regular then. Uh, I can do it myself. Uh, you, you probably, if you've got children, you've heard it from your kids. Um, you, your parents probably heard it from you many different times. This week, uh, I was packing the car with Zion with some stuff and, uh, and two of the bits were uh, travel cots uh, for our two little ones. And uh, I asked Zion to, uh, I, I kind of like played a trick on him, really for my message today. I wondered what he was going to do. And I said, Zion, here's, here's the two travel cots. You can use whatever you want 
to get those into the boot of the car. You've got all the resources available to you right now. Uh, and I'm stood in front of him. There's other things. You can get them. And so Zion lists these two travel carts. And he's going, these are heavy. And he's trying to carry them. And there's no way he's going to get them in the boot of the car. And I keep reminding him, Zion, you can use whatever you want to get these travel carts in the car. Well, the words, I can do it, Dad. I can do it myself. I can do it. I'm strong. And then he gets to the car and there's no way he can do it. He puts one down and he tries to lift the one up. And, uh, you know, I'd love, I wish I'd have videoed it because him carrying the two was really funny uh, at that moment. And I said, you can use whatever resources are in front of you. Whatever you want to use, you can use it. And uh, he's going, no, but I, I'm sure I can, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. And then he's starting to get stressed. And he's starting to, like, I, I, I can do it. And then there comes that moment where it just clicks and he says, I can't do it. And I said, Zion, you can use whatever you want. Like, you can, do, you can use whatever you want. And I said, and he, he just had no clue. He's looking around, like, thinking there's a magic tool that's going to come out and pick it up. And I said, why didn't you ask me to do it? He went, I didn't think that was part of the rules. <laughs> but we want to be able to do it ourselves, don't we? Even now, we want to be able to control a lot of our lives. We want to be able to do things ourselves. We always want to do more. We want to gain power. We want to have control of our lives. I guess in life, we don't want to feel powerless. But for many times in the chaos, we feel powerless. And we come to this place of, I can do it myself, I can do it myself, I can do it myself. But then in the midst of the chaos, we tend to feel powerless. And in that midst of that chaos, we are trying to claw back power and control. And we're, we're trying to claw back the power and control of our own lives. I don't know if you've ever felt like that or you've been in that place or maybe you're in that place today of you're trying to regain control in the midst of the chaos. You're trying to regain control and power back in the midst of the chaos. But it's our conviction in the chaos that will determine how we respond to feeling powerless and how we will regain power, how we will determine to regain those powers. I, I guess like me, we've all done things that we may regret. We've all done things that we look back on and go, I wish I hadn't done that in the midst of chaos in trying to claw back power, in trying to maybe even exert some power, in, in trying to gain control. We've probably all at different times done things that we would go, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have said that. I, I wish I hadn't have acted that way. We've all had those moments. But we also have to recognise we all have power. We all have a level of power and it's how we use that power. Let me give you a bit of context of these verses. And um, let me put a picture of a guy up on the screen. He's a good looking guy. Here he is. He, this is Alexander III of Macedonia. His number one fan I have brought in today, and um, and um, it, it is, that's because his name is Alexander at the back. But this guy, you might know him as Alexander the Great, because he created a vast empire that stretched from Macedonia to Egypt, from Greece to part of India, all by the age of 30. 
And so when we go to Jesus's time, you've got these Roman Caesars who Alexander the Great was their example. He was the example of what they wanted to achieve, the power that they wanted to exert. They wanted to control. And so in Jesus's day, a world where greatness was seen as exerting this power of empires being built and kingdoms being destroyed were a demonstration of power. So we come to these verses where Jesus talks to the people and the view of how the Messiah, Jesus would come, would be one who's going to overthrow the Roman government. It's going to be one of, we're going to get claim back our power. We're going to claim back our control. We're going to claim back. And so they wanted Jesus to come and literally destroy the Romans, get rid of the Romans so that we have got control. The thing is, it wasn't that Jesus came powerless, but that he came with a different power. He didn't come powerless. He came with a different power. He did not replace weakness with power. He showed us a different kind of power. And it's the conviction that we need to have in the midst of chaos. Because it's in the midst of chaos where we try and reclaim power. Where we try and claw back control. That many times those convictions die. But Jesus came and says, there's a different power that I have. There's a different power that actually you can exert. You see, for most people, the need for power is deep-rooted in a need for being free. Like I've got control. We want to feel like that. We want to feel like I'm in control. And we may not be facing the oppression that, you know, these people were facing in Jesus's day. We may not have a Roman soldier come and knock on our door and say, uh, give me a coat. Uh, I need your coat. We may not be facing that, but we all face chaos in our lives. We all face moments of chaos in our lives. It can look very different for each and every one of us, but we all face chaos in our lives and we can still be held captive by the condition of our soul. And it's in the midst of the chaos that we need to have a conviction. So Jesus offers us a new way to see power and freedom. Let me read those verses again to us uh, that I read at the start. It says this, you've heard that it was said eye for eye, and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You see, the first thing to recognize is this, you're always free to do more. You're always free to do more. Like, I can't even begin to imagine how the response would have been, how this, when Jesus said this, how this would have gone down, because they knew the context. The context was that a Roman soldier could come, he could say, hey, I want to give my horse a rest, or I want to give myself a rest. Here's my bag, you need to carry this one mile. And by law, you had to go one mile with that person. Can you feel, can you imagine how powerless that person felt? And here's Jesus telling them, don't just go one, go two. Okay, like someone could come to you, Romans, like I need your shirt. 
and by law, you have to give them your shirt. But here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, he'll come and ask for your shirt. Give him your coat as well. Like you're free to do more. You're free to do more. But no matter the circumstance, no matter your situation, no matter what's happening in your world, we are always free to do more. I, I wrote down a few examples. You may not be free to show up late for work, but you are free to show up early. You may be legally obligated to pay your taxes, but you are free to be generous. You see, you may feel powerless in the chaos, but you always have the power to change your attitude. I, I was thinking about um, being a, a, like a, a kid growing up in our house and um, we'd always have the dreaded Saturday. The dreaded Saturday was mum would go out with her sisters and there would be this moment where dad goes into the understairs uh, like cupboard looking for his shoes and it's a mess now three boys lots of shoes lots of football boots you can imagine what happened everything just used to get thrown in there mom had the best idea she went out next thing shoes are coming out flying out and you can hear dad going boys mainly Nathan and Josh. Nathan and Josh, get down here. We need to sort this cupboard out. It was the dreaded Saturday. Because it was like, we have to do job. The other dreaded Saturday was when you were like, you know, growing up, maybe as a teenager, and you're thinking, I'm going to have a lie-in. And the, you hear the door just creak, and you're thinking, I uh, look at the state of my bedroom. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, like so, some of you tidy your bedroom all the time, don't you, young people? But it was that moment. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how it would have been much different if I'd have kept my bedroom tidy. How it had been much... My mum's agreeing. <laughs> how it had been much different if we'd kept the understairs cupboard tidy. Look at the parents nodding. Yeah, but you've got that room where you just shove everything. I know, I'm a parent now. How much more freedom we would have had on a Saturday if we had just done more? See, it's the same in our lives. I know it's a funny example, but it's the same in our lives that we have the freedom to do more. And it's a way that actually we regain power it's a way that we actually reclaim control by actually doing more there are things that we are obligated to do or the things that we are uh, have been asked to do but actually we are free to do more Nelson Mandela is such an incredible example of this Nelson Mandela who was the victim of injustice and racism arrested put in a cell where there's no bed, there's no plumbing. He has to sleep naked on a cement floor. And yet whilst he's in prison in there, he pursues a law degree. Like, wow. Like, how about being free to do more? 
that in the confines of where it looks like he's locked up and he's imprisoned and it looks like he has no power, he actually has power to do more. What we became, we discovered that actually whilst he was in prison, he actually had more freedom than we realised. And it's the same for our lives. In the midst of the chaos, we have more freedom than we realise. We have more freedom and we have, we can do more than we realise. And I love this because when Nelson Mandela became president, he didn't use his power for revenge. He chose to use his power to try and bring a nation together. And and it's so powerful for us today to realise that we are free to do more. That God is calling us to do more, even in the midst of chaos. He's calling a people in the midst of oppression. You can do more. You can do more. There's power in doing more. You're always free to do more. And I imagine this is what Jesus was calling his people to do by turning the other cheek, turning the other cheek, to give your coat as well as your shirt, to walk a second mile, that there was this power in that actually you get to do more. I wanna say it like this, never allow anyone's actions to lead you to be less. Never allow anyone's actions to lead you to be less. That's the conviction in the chaos, that in the midst of it, I may feel powerless in the chaos, but I always have the power to change my attitude. I always have the power to change my attitude and I can like, have a determination. I'm never going to allow anyone else's actions to lead me to being less. How do we do this? Well, I think it's having a conviction of servanthood it's having a conviction of servanthood Erwin McManus put it like this I love it let serving be your force let serving be your force I want I want you to imagine for a moment that a Roman soldier comes to you and uh, he's dressed in all his gear and he's got his backpack on and He says, I want you to carry this pack for one mile. And you go, by law, you're obligated and you carry the bag one mile and you get to the mile marker. Firstly, I want to ask, how did you work out what the miles were? Did you have mile markers, all of that? I didn't do enough research to figure that out, but it was just a question that came into my head just now. But you get to the mile marker and the Roman soldier goes, right, you can go back now and you go, no, I'll come with you another mile. Who has the power? Who, who, who has the power? No, no, like Romans, no, you can imagine Romans, no, you don't need to. I know, but I'll come with you another mile. Oh, hold on, I've just reclaimed some power here. How have I done it? Not by force but by serving. Such an example of Jesus when Jesus is about to be taken to, uh, you know, to the, uh, like Judas betrays him and comes and says, uh, like, and the soldiers come to arrest Jesus and Jesus, they ask Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? And Jesus, uh, they answer Jesus of Nazareth and he says, that is me. 
Peter has a moment trying to reclaim power with a sword and chops off the ear of a Roman soldier. Now, first thing is this. Peter's a fisherman. What's he doing with a sword? Maybe it's for sorting his nets out. Secondly, is Peter that bad of a shot that he just got the ear? Just questions that come into my mind. But Jesus says, no, that's not how we do it. Puts the ear back on and begins to sacrifice his life for each and every one of us. For each and every one of us. This is the conviction we need to have in the chaos. It's a conviction of servanthood. It's a conviction that no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on in my world, no matter the chaos that I'm going to serve. There are moments, let me tell you, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do, when I don't feel like it, I do more. When I don't feel like it. So, so you know, even in your marriage, there's going to be chaos. And when you don't feel like it, let me encourage you, go more. Go the extra mile. When, when you don't feel like it, do more. Do more than what's expected. Because Jesus is flipping this upside down. He's saying the way to actually have control and power is not by force and not by coming with force, but it's actually by serving one another. It's actually by doing more than what is required. It's actually by doing more than what is expected. There's nothing that can stop a person who is determined to do more good than expected. And that's what we're called to do. That's the conviction in the chaos. The conviction is this, that I'm called to do good. That I've been called to do good. I, I love it because um, Paul, Paul would say this in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he'd say, do not give up doing good. Like keep doing good. Why? Because in the chaos... We can stop doing good and we can try and reclaim power by force. No, keep doing good. Because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. There'll be a reward for your doing good. There'll be a moment where it pays off. There'll be a moment because there is nothing that can stop a person who is determined to do more good than expected. So where's the chaos in your world? Where, where have you been trying to claw back your power, trying to reclaim that control with force. Where do you need to serve more? Is it in your marriage? Do you need to take a moment and go, you know what, I might not be feeling it, but I'm going to do more. With, with your kids, is it a moment where like, they're driving me up the wall, but I'm going to do more. Is it in church? I'm not sure. No, is it I'm going to do more? Is it with your colleagues at work where, you know what, we call a sister sandpaper, brother botherer, that person, no, I'm going to do more. I'll make you an extra cup of tea today. I'll be extra now. I'm going to do more than what's expected. I'm going to serve like never before. I'm going to do more than what's required. It's what Jesus is calling us to do. You see, when, when Jesus is talking to these people, like the oppression that they're facing is such a shock. You can imagine the shock. And I guess even for us today, it can be moments where actually in the midst of the chaos, what we do is we draw back from serving one another. But today, 
my call to us, Jesus' call to us is, now go another mile. No, no, they want your shirt, give them a coat. Hey, hey they, they want to hit you on the cheek, give them the other cheek. Like, let's serve and let's do good. I want to ask you a question. What would you do if you found out you had all the power in the universe? What would you do? What would be your first act? What would be your first act to demonstrate that power? What would be that moment? You had all the power in the universe and what would it be? Well, Jesus, I think, gives us the example in this conviction of servanthood, in this moment where he washes his disciples' feet. Now, firstly, I want to say, if I had all the power in the universe, I'm not washing your feet. I do not like feet. I'm the only one. You all love your feet. Good on you. But here's what he does. It says this, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for this is what I am. Previously, Jesus has said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, Jesus, all the power in the universe, everything available to him, could have done whatever he wanted. The people in that day would have wanted him to come with, you know, like the future weapons. You know, back then they had swords and bow and arrows, but they would have wanted him to come with bazookas and all those weapons that I can't name right now because I can't remember them. But they'd have wanted him to come with force. They'd have wanted him to overthrow. And yet here's Jesus calling a people to serve, to love one another to lift one another's heads, to even say to people, you're causing some chaos in my world, but I'm willing to walk another mile with you. You're causing some chaos in my world, but I'm willing to give you my coat as well. That even in the midst of the chaos, Jesus is willing to serve. He took the posture of a servant, willing to wash his disciples' feet, which in those days was culturally relevant we're not going to get out of the buckets and wash each other's feet today but there's a way to serve there's a posture of servanthood and it's having that conviction you see Jesus chose to die for those who would kill him he remained faithful to those who would betray him he offered forgiveness to those who would only bring condemnation and in the on when he was on the cross and the very moment he looked powerless <laughs> the world had never seen such power and that he was willing to die on the cross for each and every one of us that's true power see we live in a world where power seems we think power is brought about by many different things maybe it's your status 
Maybe it's your job title. Maybe it's your wealth. Power. We all have power. But Jesus, who came with all authority, all power, showed us a way to actually reclaim power and have control by serving one another. And in the chaos, have a conviction of servanthood. Because in the midst of a world and culture that was in chaos, Jesus served. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for each and every one of us. That's what power looked like in Jesus' hands. And that should be our conviction in the chaos, that we are people who serve one another.